You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness, and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. This is the dawn of a new age in science, an age where we live in real and virtual spaces, an age where the mind and consciousness can be studied scientifically. Even medicine was an art. With systematic study, it became more scientific. The scope of science is evolving. Spirituality is becoming a science. Wellness is more than just physical. It is spiritual, mental, and holistic. We are learning how to think and feel together. Our thinking is our conscious experience. The science of consciousness provides profound understanding of the deepest levels of life, ranging from mystical religious experiences to the baffling paradoxes of quantum physics. Consciousness is all there is. Consciousness allows us to be aware, to experience, to feel, to make sense of one another, to experience the inner depths of your consciousness, to transcend and go beyond all limitations, is to know your true self. I want to share what I have learned from the most modern scientific discoveries and the most ancient fields of knowledge to bring health, happiness, and peace in the minds of everyone, to remove conflicts in society, and allow people to see the most important things in life, life lived in a beautiful way. We can overcome smallness and look at things from a truly profound way where higher values and beautiful goals become the reality of everyone's life, instead of stressing and bickering and fighting and fear. When consciousness is clearer, society is improved. As society improves, awareness is raised. Where there is light, you will see and you don't fall. When there is light and clarity, you find that life is fullness and it grows in fullness. And this is how ignorance goes away. People can live a better life, no matter what belief system or religion we have. We can all be happy with our true selves. It is your birthright to live your full potential as a human being. Life is consciousness. It's a great joy and what a wonderful experience to have such great leaders around the world and the number of participants in this topic, which a few years ago was a non-topic at all in a sense. Even when I was in medical school myself, uh, we didn't talk about consciousness. Uh, it was just consciousness as an element of measuring the level of 
wakefulness of a patient and see if they are in a vegetative state, in coma, or in any other impaired state of consciousness, minimally state of awareness, or they are normally conscious. And that was practically it. It was a medical assessment of uh, how the brain may be, which might be damaged, can cause the disappearance of what we call consciousness. In recent years, there has been a great interest in uh, philosophy and science and neuroscience and different aspects of research about that field, which is consciousness. And the presence today of such a wonderful number of uh, specialists uh, with us on this conference is an indication of the importance of this topic. And in fact, our group has today uh, scientists uh, in physics, advanced science, in the legal system, in philosophy, in teaching in schools, and uh, vice chancellors of university, as well as artists and people are, are of different walks and er interests in life. So when we want to discuss such a topic, which in fact, is going to take us into a number of fields, such as even quantum mechanics and quantum field theory and unified field theory, as well as philosophy and uh, what is reality, how do we get to know what reality is, what's our ability, our ability to gain knowledge, and all of these different factors that in fact intersect and come together to be able to allow us to answer this question about consciousness and take this question beyond just the theoretical understanding of what consciousness is to actually go to what reality is, what life is about, why are we here, how we came to be here, what can we do about it, and can we be happy, uh, is there a purpose in life, where will all this take us and the origin of our human species as well as the origins of the universe. And so many angles of science and philosophy and understanding and thinking and writing that it is a very, very daunting task if we start from the beginning of the idea of what are the things we want to be looking at and analyzing. But we want to also be very simple and start with a stepwise understanding. So I will ask those great experts who are joining us to be patient if some of the topics are being defined in a simple way. But it is important to have a common understanding of words and what they mean. And I agree on them so that everybody who is with us can benefit and this course can become uh, useful for schools, for other uh, you know, levels of understanding. So we should expect uh, during the course that there will be some very basic concepts. At the same time, uh, sometimes a few advanced concepts which we can read about more in the literature if we like, but of course the time allows us only to cover whatever we can in specific values. I will avoid to go into 
complicated equations and formulae that will scare some of us, uh, which they scared me anyway at the beginning when I started to look at them. But what we are doing actually is something really, uh, from my perspective, very fascinating, and I hope it will generate a lot of thinking and questioning and discussion back and forth. When I was growing up as a student and wanted to become a medical doctor out of uh, vocation and family dharma, if you like, which means the family vocation of, of being doctors, I was fascinated by how we can make life better, how we can improve the situation for everyone, how we can make life work for everyone. And I thought the only way or the best way is to understand who we are already as human beings, what we are, how are we made, from what are we made. And obviously, in my mind, we are made out of physical matter at that time. That's what I thought. We will see throughout this course that this reality is a little bit different. But that's the common belief even today, that we come from some material values that create the physiology. And then the physiology develops, and we have a nervous system. <clears throat> and the nervous system uh, becomes uh, conscious. So we have consciousness as an emergent quality. And already this is a term that we are starting now to introduce, the emergent quality, something that emerges, which means it wasn't there before, and now it suddenly appears. And consciousness has been thought by many scientists as something that suddenly appears in the humans. And not more than, you know, maybe 100 years ago or so, nobody thought that anybody other than humans were conscious. Um, even people thought that animals were like automatons, like uh, robots. And, you know, they have no, no real feelings, no sensations, no soul, they called it, no awareness of things. And they just respond to things like this, let alone, about, of course, about the environment and the trees and the plants and the world. And therefore, this had consequences on how we deal with our environment, how we deal with the animals, how we deal with the planet, how we deal with each other also. And this was based really on uh, ancient uh, feelings that we are at the center of the universe and we are the only species that has developed that quality that we call consciousness. Of course, indeed, we have a consciousness that is very much more developed than, as we can see, in the animal uh, kingdom. And consciousness allows us actually to have language, to have tools, to develop tools, uh, to understand our environment, to understand ourselves, and even to experience uh, anything, actually. And the best way to know the value of consciousness is to think, what would it be without consciousness? So you imagine if you lose consciousness, then what else matters? your wealth, your love, your feelings, your education, your, what used to be your joys, your pains, your expectations, your understanding of the universe, all that you might have experienced and lived, they vanish. They absolutely vanish. When consciousness goes, 
All of these are not there. And those who have been through surgery, for example, had anesthesia, they have experienced that state of no consciousness. And we as humans, we also have uh, cycles of sleep, waking and dreaming, where uh, in deep sleep, we feel as if everything is gone. So imagine if life was like in deep sleep. That is meaning you have lost consciousness. I will come back to this point, and I want to warn you that during sleep, actually, we don't lose consciousness at all. Consciousness is still there, but we'll keep this for a later discussion. However, at least in terms of memory, which means what we remember, is that it's a blank state with no consciousness. So when you are in that blank state, what does it matter that you are the wealthiest person in the whole universe? or the one who is most knowledgeable or most loved. It doesn't matter at all. Without consciousness, we cannot live, we cannot feel life, we cannot experience it, we cannot enjoy it, we cannot appreciate it. So consciousness is a very important and primary level of our existence. When I was a medical student, we didn't think about it. It was just obvious that we had consciousness, like we had hands and ears and mouth. So we have also consciousness, and with consciousness we work, and we didn't think about it. And we didn't realize also that, even though we know that sometimes one is drowsy, sometimes one is awake, sometimes one is more alert than other times, and all of these are qualities and shades of consciousness that make us either see more or see less of our reality. When we are tired and fatigued and the mind is clouded, which means our consciousness is not clear, then we have a certain perception of reality, and it can be a gloomy perception, a, a perception which is not very inspiring. And so all of the ability to enjoy life, the ability to see things from a perspective that is uplifting, that allows us to create things and to do things that are good for ourselves and the environment, goes away. And if we are very well rested during the night and feel good, and our physiology and mind are fresh, our consciousness is clearer, and then we can appreciate things better. We can even appreciate the fineness of colors. The artists can be creative. They have a deep feeling of connectedness with colors, with schemes. The scientists are able to find solutions. The um, engineers, the, the workers, they do less mistakes. They create better equipment. And therefore, the quality of consciousness is very important. I never thought that consciousness actually could be even developed. So I knew vaguely that we had deep sleep, dreaming, and waking consciousness. And then I heard Maharishi Mahesh Yogi talking about developing consciousness, talking about the purpose of life to be fullness, to be happiness, to be bliss, with the expansion of wholeness. And this was for me a huge contrast with uh, what I had to experience in life, and that is 
having been in a comfortable situation and preparing myself to go to medical school and to change the world, you know, like every young person would want to do, uh, and, and be participatory in something uh, grand, then a civil war broke in my environment. And that was devastating in my mind, because I grew up thinking that life is perfect, that there is infinite justice, that there is unconditional love, uh, that there is you know, perfection, and that the creation is made from the most beautiful things. Of course, we humans, we make mistakes, and we kind of create issues, but that overall, you know, there is a balance. However, when you see um, damage, when you see children suffering, when you see people who seem good and right going through difficulties and problems and losing their, their, their life or their loved ones and going to experience this, this puts you under the big pressure of asking questions, what is it all about? What is going on? What can we do about it? And so this encouraged me even more to study medicine, to see what makes us do what we do as humans, as a species. Why do we go crazy and even fighting in the name of God or in the name of good and the name of spirituality and killing each other or finding ourselves in diseases and pandemics and developing technology that creates issues and problems that we cannot control. At that time, it was still the uh, the threat of nuclear Armageddon. And that was because the nuclear powers were always facing each other, and the discussion was going on often about these things. I remember when, when I came to, to Boston to go to MIT and Harvard, I remember a, a, a car, somebody had a car, and in, their, uh, in the back of their car, they had uh, this uh, plaque that says, one nuclear bomb, bomb uh, destroys all your day, or something like that. So it was, at that time, very, very real. And so these big questions in life, and suddenly I heard Marishi talking about developing consciousness, and life is bliss, and we can expand consciousness, and we can do that. So I was intrigued by this, and I learned transcendental meditation. And I discovered that there is a new way of knowing. There is a new way of experiencing. Not only through the senses, through the outside, but something within ourselves, something in ourselves. And that is transcending, the transcendental reality. In this experience, I discovered that there is something that doesn't change. First the world was a field of constant change, a field of transformation, the field of always changing, changing, never the same. And there is nothing absolute, really, except maybe God, but God was sitting somewhere, it's far from us, and as if, you know, managing the universe, but I, I couldn't understand why he's allowing these things to happen. And suddenly I discovered, thanks to Maharishi's teaching, a reality which is deep within us, a reality that allows us to feel infinity, to feel fullness, to feel wholeness within ourselves, 
and to experience the absolute, the non-changing field. So all our life is lived in the field of change, and our consciousness experiences object after object after object. It experiences emotions and feelings, which are, by the way, all colors of consciousness. When you say, I am sad, it's the color of your consciousness that is sad. When you say, I'm happy, it's the color of your consciousness that is having that color of happiness. So consciousness can take colors and can also be absolute, unchanging, non-modifiable, pure being. And that we can experience within ourselves. And it reminded me of the great sayings of philosophers and believers and thinkers and also religious teachers that said that the kingdom of heaven within, that we are created in the image of the divine, that there is something very profound about it and that contrasts with what we see in the outside world. So the discovery from consciousness, from within ourselves, that there is something that is profound and anchoring us into pure being was a revelation for me of discovering the absolute, discovering that consciousness is not just modes of experiencing, it's not just modes of feeling, but it's also being, it's the mode of being. And that is what got me into the study of consciousness as a very profound and important aspect that can actually resolve very large number of problems. And as the science that has been shown on the program that allows us to transcend, which go beyond the surface value, that actually indeed it happens with improvements in personal life, in behavior, in health, and even effects on society and the transformation of social trends through the enlivenment of that consciousness, which ultimately is a field that is beyond just the specific, is a field of wholeness that permeates all creation. And we will be discussing a lot about that field and how it could be a field and what does it create. And this is why I felt uh, this infinite attraction to study, continue to study my studies and research in neuroscience, comparing what actually part of our physiology contributes to creation of consciousness. At that time, I thought, like many modern scientists and neurophysiologists think, that consciousness is a product of the brain, and we will go through this we'll have a little idea about anatomy and physiology and what are the research studies showing about the relationship between the physical structure and the levels of consciousness. And at the same time, understanding consciousness from the ancient technologies that have come to us. And so I was so lucky to be with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and learn everything from him, whom I regard as the greatest scientist of consciousness of all time, and the knowledge that he has gotten from his tradition, the Vedic tradition. This is why, if you zoom behind, you will see that there is a picture of uh, Maharishi with his teacher, and that is in recognition for the profound knowledge that he has given me and to the world 
and the applications of that knowledge to create a better world and to solve serious problems and situations in the world. Now, having said this, maybe some will believe, okay, you are going to teach us about a new belief system. We're going to be discussing a new dogma. And that is not the case at all. We're going to put everything to question. We're going to doubt everything. We're going to research everything. We're going to want to see what are the things that converge together to give us a full understanding about consciousness and also about reality. Where does reality come from? How does it emerge? What are the different states of consciousness that we can have? And what we can do about it and how it can actually answer enigmas that have been there and mysteries that have been there for all time in terms of philosophy, as well as belief, as well as science. And the beautiful part about it is how it can actually embrace all of these and unify them. So the task is tremendous. It's not just a philosophy of understanding consciousness. It is not just a science of trying to feel what is the world made of and going deeper into reality and what are the manifestations of objects and how they interact with each other. It's not just about art. It's not just about culture and belief and traditions and habits and religions and how they actually can interact, but it's also finding the common denominator. It's finding the unifying power of being, of existence, that actually gives credit to as much science, as much as philosophy, as much as culture and behavior and habits, as well as belief systems and traditions of uh, religious uh, uh, undertaking and religious teaching. And this is when we can feel confident that our thinking, our planning, our understanding is guiding us in the right direction because it is showing us that it unifies, it allows all these even apparently contradictory aspects to be unified so that we see within them how the one appears as many and yet remains one. And that one is our consciousness, which is the consciousness of everyone. And actually, as we will probe the consciousness of the universe as a whole and the consciousness of everything in the universe. Consciousness is everywhere and in everything, but where does it emanate from? It emanates from itself. <laughs> Consciousness is a, is a primary aspect, as we will see. It is not something that is created, and we will go into this, that consciousness is all there is, and it's the primary aspect of life and being, the primary aspect of the universe. Can we say that pure consciousness is the only true, untainted, pre-paradigm state of awareness 
yet infinitely capable to foster unity and diversity for all paradigms? I think the answer, it's a wonderful description. It's exactly like that. Regardless of the fact that matter is ultimately consciousness, how does immaterial consciousness give rise to material stuff, commonly known as matter? What is the first expression of matter as consciousness precipitates into the physical world? I would consider a quite advanced uh, question in terms of our sequential uh, development of the field of consciousness. And if you don't mind, we can leave it for uh, later because we have to really understand first that actually indeed it is primary and in which way convince ourselves that it is primary and why and why nothing else is, could be primary. And then go through the steps of seeing how what appears as matter is actually coming from consciousness. But the, the reality is, is there. This is actually the big question in the field of uh, mind and, and matter, the, because the relationship between consciousness and physiology, between matter and, phys and, and uh, non-matter, the material and the immaterial, is the big question of um, reality, the study of ontology and the reality of things. And so if matter is primary, how matter creates consciousness? If consciousness is primary, how consciousness creates or appears as matter? So that's a very profound uh, question which we will address later. Are awareness and consciousness the same? And if not, what is the difference between them? Awareness is to be aware of specific objects uh, in our environment. And so uh, we are aware of being in this room. We are aware, for example, of listening to the words. And we are aware of, uh, you know, the wall behind me, if you look at it, or we are aware of the flower. So our awareness moves from one object to another. and there is in the awareness a number of content of awareness, the content of awareness. But consciousness, you are still conscious and you have consciousness even if you are not aware of certain things. For example, um, there are many things in your room or in your environment that you are not aware of, but you're still conscious. Uh, so you cannot say I am conscious of, if you say I am conscious of something, then you are aware of that thing. So there the meaning becomes the same. But we are talking about consciousness as a primary aspect of uh, existence in a sense, as a conscious being uh, based on our fundamental paradigm that consciousness is all there is. And therefore, any experience is a phenomenon of consciousness. Any thought is a phenomenon of consciousness. Awareness is putting your awareness specifically on specific objects. So when you are asleep, for example, you are a conscious being who has no awareness during sleep and you are conscious from a different level. Uh, 
um, if there is cold or if there is um, sound, uh, the sound will wake you up. Uh, you would not be aware of the sound when it comes, but your consciousness is there, and it, uh, it reacts to the sound, and it wakes you up. So there is this difference, fine difference, between consciousness and awareness. When we understand more what consciousness is, we will also compare consciousness with um, alertness, with attention, with responsiveness, uh, with uh, ability to be aroused, and all of that. Why don't we just pass away when we go under anesthesia, if we lose consciousness? This is an important question because when I said um, in the discussion, imagine when you are under anesthesia, it's just to say something that's familiar where your consciousness is not the same as when you are awake. In fact, when you are under anesthesia, you don't really lose consciousness. You don't lose consciousness in our paradigm. You are still a conscious being, and your body is conscious, uh, and it reacts to see things, it reacts to even um, uh, the surgery creates changes if you are under surgery, and uh, you, know, you can block the pain, but the body reacts, the blood pressure, the heart rate, the body responds to the temperature in the room, and all of these we are going to see are consciousness components. So when I took that example for anesthesia and for deep sleep, it wasn't to say that in anesthesia you are not conscious. In anesthesia you are conscious, but in a different way than when you are conscious during waking state or during dream state. So we'll be going into the fine modes of consciousness and we will find that consciousness has a huge range from even experiencing anything up to higher states and enlightenment. And so the state of anesthesia is a state of consciousness, which is anesthesia, but it's not a state of awareness of specific values. But consciousness is always there. Of course, there are different Anesthetics also, there are anesthetics that knock out a little more than others. And there are anesthetics actually where people have experience that time passes very fast and you feel as if you've never lost consciousness. And even after two hours, you wake up as if time didn't pass, but you never slept. And, you know, there are these anesthetics like that uh, that allow consciousness to be in the middle somewhere between full wakefulness and deep sleep. And so um, these are things we, we can discuss. How can we develop consciousness if it is already absolute, non-changing and unbounded? We can develop our consciousness, our own consciousness. So the consciousness Pure consciousness is unbounded, but it is hidden by our physiology, if you like. It is uh, blocked, in a sense. It is limited, and therefore there can be 
limited experience of the full consciousness or full experience of the full consciousness. So consciousness then appears in the manifest universe in different ranges of its reality. So pure consciousness is one thing, and then individual consciousness can be a different, different things. So there are different aspects of consciousness that are experienced by a cat or a dog or a human being in the state of sleep or dreaming or waking. So it is, as we will see as we go on, manifestation is actually a hiding of pure consciousness. But that again is, is, is an early in the stage of our analysis to, to be able to fully understand it until we have a more fundamental paradigm that we have at hand. Is the growth of our consciousness related to our karma? Yes, the development of consciousness, because that is another factor we will talk about, is as we grow and evolve, our consciousness develops. And the development of our, fact, of our consciousness depends on how many aspects have been hiding it, if you like. No, so we will be talking as we, as we go on about how to unhide actually the, the hidden consciousness. If you like, we can start from, you know, we, we are going very advanced now in, the, in what I felt would be the sequence of, of the logic, but we can say there is pure consciousness which is unmanifest and then there is a hiding process that hides that fullness and allows it to be experienced from its limited perspectives. And as we evolve, we unhide consciousness. And therefore, evolution is not a process of creating consciousness. It's a process of unhiding consciousness, which is already there. So that is turning turning things upside down, because normally you build things up and then you take bricks and you put them together and you make a house. Now what we're saying is there is a house, but you're hiding the whole house and revealing only one brick. And then you, remove, you reveal another brick and you re reveal another brick. And that evolution is the revelation of bricks. Now when you reveal the whole, remove the whole hiding, then the house appears. And what we're doing is unhiding, actually. So we have to be prepared to change our logic, our way of thinking. If we want to solve the problem of reality and manifestation and consciousness and the meaning of life, we have to be prepared to change our way of uh, thinking. There has to be a third element, another angle. And that is one of those angles which we will also analyze which is the unhiding process. So in answer to the question, depends how thick is the hiding. And how thick is the hiding depends on what you have been doing, what you have been putting your attention on. Are you being confused? Are you putting your attention on the right things? And are you in your life hiding more and more the house or you are revealing more and more of the house? So. That is the, the effect of karma. So if there is a heavy karma from the past, which means we have been hiding and hiding and hiding, 
then in order to reveal the house, you have to unhide and unhide and unhide and unhide. And so we will have to get to that also as we build our house gradually, the house of consciousness. But since the question came, we can start having a glimpse of the idea of how this will work. Why is the human nervous system not automatically able to experience complete wholeness without the experience of transcending? Meaning, going beyond that active thinking part of our mind and experiencing that which you refer to as pure consciousness. I think this follows the same question. It's because of the hiding, the thickness of the hiding. You know, we can take it as also, you take glasses, you have glasses, and then you start putting filters and filters and filters on the glasses, and they become so thick that it becomes dark, you don't see anything. Now, in order to see things, you just have to remove filter after filter. And so transcending allows us to remove the stresses which hide the ability to experience full consciousness. So again, since we've started on the theme, I think everyone has to remember this hiding process and unhiding. So creation is not creating something new, it's unhiding. How is that? It sounds bizarre, but that's what we will get through as we go along. And so in order to unhide, you have to remove that which hides. And that which hides is the superficial smallness of thinking, the limited ability to see pers proper perspective, to remove the filters from the glasses, which are the prejudice, which are the stress, which are the past experience that gave you an idea about reality, which is not the true reality. Uh, you know, the way you staunchly believe that matter is all that there is, and, and that's it, and what can you do? And all of these are hiding, so you have to kind of clear them up. Until then, you are just seeing through filters, seeing through filters. How and why does consciousness grow from being an infant or baby into an adult? It's with the natural development. Uh, and what we will see is, although we're saying consciousness is all there is, which in fact means that also the neurons are an expression of consciousness, and how development happens and the experiences that the baby goes through, how it adds to their ability to see from different perspectives. So we will be talking about modes of consciousness and how experience changes consciousness, uh, meaning your consciousness, the individual consciousness. We'll be talking about individual consciousness versus universal consciousness and that the individual consciousness is indeed a limited perspective, and how by adding more and more perspectives one on the other, you actually end up by unhiding more of the reality of consciousness. So as different potential of perspectives are added in the child's growth, then they will see more and more and more and they will uncover then more than the most. And at this level, we have to emphasize that although consciousness is all there is, 
the nervous system is a pattern of consciousness. And as a pattern of consciousness, if it is most complex and orderly, it can allow us to see more profound and more wide-ranging aspects of consciousness. However, if we say this right now, it sounds like a fancy idea because we still haven't built up the system that allows us to see what is the logic that says that the actual physical, apparently physical, material human being and nervous system is a pattern of consciousness itself. So to make that jump in logic, one has to first know what is, after all, matter? What is reality? What is it made of? How does it appear? And why does it appear like that? So uh, it's okay to have these questions because that gives us a, a feeling of the whole and gives these hints that we'll keep in mind and then see how we can resolve them and whether they are logical or not, or make sense or not, once we have seen the complete picture. However, we have to be careful not to think, uh, oh, it's impossible, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything yet, because we are still starting in our analysis, and there will be a lot more to uncover uh, as background knowledge, as logic, in order to come to the right conclusion. I'm delighted from the questions because they are solid foundations for continuing the process of analyzing and thinking about this um, fundamental question, which we have put under the title of consciousness and what is consciousness, but actually, ultimately, it's about our life, our reality, where we come from, and what are the rules of life and how we can be happy if we understand where we are, where we stand, and what are the tools that we have to make our life better. So it's about happiness, it's about well-being, it's about resolving conflict, it's about finding unity in diversity. And all of this on the level of both science and philosophy, and understanding and logic, and also direct experience, as we have in the millions of people who practice transcendental meditation and the hundreds of research studies that have shown uh, the effectiveness of developing consciousness through transcending in the field of health, of mental potential, of well-being individually and socially behavior, and even on the level of reducing conflict crime and problems in society. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.